Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. For all the people that have been labeled ADD, ADHD, bipolar or whatever, it's all bullshit, by the way. There is no proof that any of that exists. If you want to be successful, then you're, you're basically a, an attention whore. You're insecure. Something's wrong with you. You got some kind of freaking mental disorder if you want great things or you're grandiose because you want to be famous. Dude, why not? You didn't see me go through 2009 and, and have a $50 million lawsuit and a $50 million bank default. You didn't see the 10 years of being a drug addict. Look, I'd rather a person be greedy than a person be selfish. Because at least greedy people produce something. So what I'm telling you, it was harder, it was easier, and it was better than anything I imagined. What's up, guys? Xavier Katana here, and... Wow, we've got an amazing episode with Mr. Grant Cardone, and we cover everything in this episode that you would possibly want to know about success, money, being an entrepreneur, and just digging into the concepts of all of that. So I really, really, truly think that you'll enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for listening. The Human Experiences in Session, my guest for today is Mr. Grant Cardone. Grant, such a pleasure to have you here, sir. Welcome to HXP. Man, I'm glad to be here. I've been waiting to be on your podcast for freaking years. Yeah, it took about three years to finally arrange our schedules into the right moment to get you here. So thank you so much for your presence. Grant, I've studied your work for a long time, but there might be some people that don't know who you are. So just a brief synopsis of you know what you do and, and who you are, please. Well, first of all, I am a spiritual being, okay? It's the human experience, but I'm having the spiritual experience of trying to accomplish the spirit's potential. And I do that wherever I am. Like I started in a middle-class family in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And ever since I've been eight years old, I've been literally interested in discovering my potential. I don't know why I've been curious observing what is my potential, whether it was in high school, college, business, real estate, making my first million or my hundredth million. It's always been not about the money or the sale, but about the ability to experience my potential, whether it was writing books or speaking to a Fortune 500 company. I'm really, I'm really trying to discover who I am and what I'm capable of and how I can influence the world in a more impactful and, and better way. I love that. So Grant, there's something that I noticed in your videos a lot. And when you have this very high energy charge to everything you do, like I last night researching for this show, like I just watched these sales calls that you were doing. You're just closing a call, closing a call, closing a call. How do you keep up that 24 seven grind mentality? How do you do that without burning out? Well, number one, I'm not grinding. I am not hustling and I'm never worried about burnout, okay? Because again, this goes back to what I opened with, okay? The spiritual being, the unit itself, 
is not a candle and should never be compared to a candle. I can't burn out and you can't burn out. Okay. Energy is produced at will. So I'm not looking to be excitable or exciting. I'm producing. I'm not looking for energy through coffee or drinks. I produce energy. I'm basically responsible for everything going on. I assume responsibility for what I'm producing as opposed to I need to feel something or I want to be happy. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. I think I can manufacture anything that I want. Mm. And so when you get on that end of the responsibility band and say, hey, I don't like sales. I'm going to be great at it. Okay. I don't know how to be a husband. I'm going to be a great husband. I've never been a father. I'm going to be fantastic at it. I don't have enough time. So I'm going to create time. I don't have money. I'm going to figure out how to get in the money band and make sure money sticks to me. So it's really a consideration. It's a viewpoint, but mostly it's positioning yourself as the source of your solutions and the source of your problems so that you can be the source of the outcome. Hmm, okay, so. And that produces energy, dude. The more responsible I am, the more energy I have, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so if I know I can win at the game, I want to play the game. If I don't have the skills, I don't have the know how, I don't have the information, then I'm going to tend to want to shy away from that game an introvert. Okay, okay, wait. So you're saying that the inner spiritual aspect of you reflects the outer. Is that where you're going? Or No, no, it's not the inner. Okay. I am a spiritual unit. Okay. There's nothing to go into. I don't have a soul. Dude, I am that. That's oh. what I am. Everything else is pretendville. Grant Cardone, the salesman. Grant Cardone, the dad. Grant Cardone, the husband. Grant Cardone, the real estate investor. All that's made up. Who am I? I'm not a human being, man. I'm a spiritual being experiencing a human limitations and trying to exceed those. Love it. I don't manage time. People ask me all the time, how do you make so much time? Dude, I make it. I create time. I am not trying to manage time. Hmm. Managers don't earn a lot of money. People that create things earn money. People that create things create experiences and have happiness. And, and because again, they're, they're the source of what's going on around their life. So I am a spiritual being doing my life as a spiritual being, not 5'8", 170 pounds, limited to a 24-hour clock. Yeah, I really, really connect with that a lot. I want to rewind just a little bit and get into your beginnings. I think a common misperception is People see this sort of, quote, overnight success, and it's never yeah. that way. It's this constant moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. You know, it's like this long curve up, and nothing is instant. There's no such thing as instant success. At what point in your life, in your career, did you feel, okay, I feel successful? Yeah, look, most of my life has been a struggle, okay? And the struggle has been because, one, I either didn't know where I was going or didn't know how to get there. Or didn't really know what I wanted. So a lot of, a lot of the struggle was self-imposed because I wasn't going for a game big enough. My overnight success has taken at least 30 years. Most of your audience, they don't even know who I am. Now they're going to go Google me and find out, man, $750 million worth of real estate, seven books, 13 business programs. But you didn't see all the hard work. You didn't see the sales career that I was a flop at, right? Mm -hmm. You yeah. didn't see me go through 2009 and, and have a $50 million lawsuit 
and a $50 million bank default. You didn't see the 10 years of being a drug addict because I was basically, you know, using drugs every day. Right. Most of it's been because I had bad information. I mean, mm-hmm. people just have bad information. The, the old concept uh, that, that knowledge is power, it is power. Most people just have the wrong knowledge. Please continue. I, you know, I'm really connecting with everything you're saying. I, I want to hear more. Yeah. So look, my dad, my dad died when I was 10 years old. It left a big vacuum in my life because everybody started telling me, oh my God, you need a dad to be successful. Well, I don't have that now. My mom didn't know what to do with money. So now I have a mother that's scared, terrified of, you know, the little bit of money she has to manage over five kids. You know, I was brought up to believe that you had to save your money, save for a rainy day, be a penny pincher, Hmm. uh, fly under the radar, be careful, don't talk to strangers, a penny saved is a penny earned, get an education, go to college, get a good job, buy a house, okay? These are all things that aren't even true. The spiritual unit, okay, the potential of you doesn't need any of that stuff. It needs a target. It needs a game, okay? It needs intention that is just a sick amount of like, I'm going there. I'm going to get there. And all the greats talk about this, okay? All the guys and gals that you and I both know their name. If I mention their name, these people were obsessed with discovering their full potential. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into my next question. In your book, Be Obsessed or Be Average, this word obsession comes up a lot. I mean, yeah. it's a, obsession is your only option. Why this methodology around obsession? Because everybody is obsessed about something, okay? And they're fighting it. Even the demons, the dark stuff, the things that you don't even like that you do automatically, the tremendous amounts of energy in that. So like I ended up with a drug problem from 15 to 25 years old. And I ended up with a drug problem, one, because I was using drugs. But before the first drug, the propensity to the drug is not because I had a chemical imbalance or I was a drug addict or it was some genetic coding. It was because I was denying the fact that I wanted to be super successful. So I ended up with an addiction to drugs because I denied, and everybody needs to really get this, I denied the fact that I wanted to be super successful. When you sit on that, when you sit on that, it becomes like a dynamite keg, right? Because you're, you're pushing energy down. If you want to be super rich, you want to be super famous, you want to be super successful, right? You want to have an unbelievable marriage. You want to go where you want, when you want, how you want on your terms. Yes. And then you can't tell anybody that. Because society tells you, no, you shouldn't need that. You shouldn't want that. If you want money or you want to be rich, you're greedy. If you want to be successful, then you're, you're basically a, an attention whore. You're insecure. Something's wrong with you. You got some kind of freaking mental disorder if you want great things or you're grandiose because you want to be famous. Dude, why not? Why wouldn't people want to be great? And then we push that down and say, no, settle for average. And no wonder what pops out. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, uh, basically the individual now has this energy, this Mm. tremendous manufacturer of energy that gets inverted and comes out in all these ugly, negative, degrading ways. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great way to put it in terms of energy and the energy exchange and the relationship between the self and the spiritual self. And and so the trick here for me was, dude, I'm going to own my obsessions. I'm going to own them and I'm going to convert it to making the money if I want to make money, okay, to having a successful life. 
Like people say, if you bring up money to 90% of the people in the world mm-hmm. and say, I want to get rich, just go out and try it as an experiment today. The human experiment, okay, <laughs> would be, hey, just do a money experience. Like go out and tell people, I want to be super rich and watch what they start saying. You don't I need that. that. <laughs> money doesn't make you happy. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, why do you need all that? My right. mom used to tell me all the time, every time I would achieve something, I would go to her first. Mom, let me tell you what I did. And she'd be like, that's great. But son, I love you just the way you are. Right. Well, the deal was I was obsessed with being more than who I was. I didn't want to just be that. Okay. I'm not satisfied. I don't want to be average. I want to win the next game. And I want to have that experience of going through the barriers and discovering how to make it to the other side. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, if you're saying the opposite, like I... I hate losing. So if you're telling me you enjoy losing, I'm sorry. I just don't believe Dude, I'm you. A, I, I'm, a, I'm a poor loser. I don't like to lose. <laughs> Who do you know that doesn't like to spend time playing games, whether it's Scrabble or some dumb game online, right? Mm-hmm. People play those games to the level after level, hundreds of levels to try to get to the next level. There's no payoff. There's no financial payoff. It's a total waste of time, or it would appear that way. But it's trying to get to that next place. And we all have that. And be obsessed or be average basically gave people permission for all the people that have been labeled ADD, ADHD, bipolar or whatever. It's all bullshit, by the way. There is no proof that any of that exists. I'm saying, hey, own it, use it, do everything possible to be obsessed with those things that keep you up at night, because otherwise you're going to be average. I want to cover Be Obsessed for one more question, then we'll just we'll switch gears a little bit. You talk about mentorship and immersing yourself towards successful people who have already kind of done it and have that environment all around them. Why is this so important? Why is this so crucial to having that around you? Because you want to counterbalance all the bad mentoring you're getting right now. What I'm trying to do is negate or erase or replace my dad's information, my mom's information, my uncle, my aunt, the Thanksgiving dinner talk, the TV, the Facebook post, all the fancy Instagram posts. What's the one about just be happy, right? Embrace your inner child. Just be happy. What does any of that even mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. Even the, the whole concept about time balance, like Grant, how do you find time for everything? I don't find time, man. You make time. I make time. I create it, right? So I'm not trying to balance between dad, father, or dad, husband, and and CEO. I'm doing my life, and I want to do it all out, all the time, on my terms. And the way to explode life and all the areas of life is not to seek balance, but to be obsessed with everything you're doing. If you're not obsessed with it, just don't do it. It seems like there's a lot of unlearning going on. I, I notice this theme. Yeah. I, I'm having to unlearn the stuff that people have told me so that I can adopt this new paradigm and push that it, into my mental it, framework. I absolutely agree. I see a lot of people out there going to trying to learn right now. They watch videos. They listen to podcasts. They, they listen to 30 in a week. And I'm like, look, quit doing that. Go deep on one or two people to know. I want to know. I don't want to learn. I want to know what I'm doing. I don't need more information. In most cases, people need information stripped from them. The information you already have is what's holding you back. Hmm. So you got to be really careful who you're getting data from because a person that is on the upswing has the right data, 
a person that's going down in their cycle is starting to end their career will give you the wrong information Mm -hmm. because they're in the different part of the cycle than you're interested in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just shifting a little bit. I want to talk about sales. I want to talk about selling to survive. Oh, everybody hates that. (laughs) Why does everyone hate that? Nobody wants to sell anything. Why not? Nobody wants to be a salesperson. Okay. Nobody wants to pitch, promote, market. Nobody wants to network. You know, nobody wants to do that thing. It's just an ugly, ugly word. But the problem is not sales. It's the fact that people are so selfish and self-important that they talk about what they don't want to do rather than being willing to do whatever it takes. And in this case, it's sales, right? Like, I'll do whatever it takes today to be successful. If you write a book and nobody reads it, it's because you didn't sell it. Mm. Not because it was the best written book. It's got to be a bestseller for anybody to get it. In the last 18 months, I raised $107 million for charity. Wow. I gave $2 million of that, 107. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, raising $105 million is harder than writing a check for $2 million. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. But you know what? It, it requires intention the willingness to do whatever it takes, an obsession, no consideration on quit. You can't have any thoughts about budgets or people's problems. To raise $105 million from other people, you have to be willing to market, promote, sell, persist. And you better feel all right about this idea of selling Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's not going to happen. And, you know, that distinction is really important that the people that don't like to do that are being selfish in some way because they're holding back a service that they can offer someone, right? Yeah. When you say, I don't like sales, who are we talking about? We're talking about the person you're pitching it to, right? Exactly. I don't like sales. I said, really, why don't you like, well, I'm an introvert. Okay, we're talking about you again. When are you going to start talking about the other person, right? The person that says they don't like money. Okay, you're back to talking about you again. I don't need to be rich. We're talking about you again. Your church needs you to be rich. Your community needs you to be rich. Your sick mother who gets cancer and it costs, you know, 800 grand to get her through the cure, to get her a couple years of life extension. That's an unselfish act. Mm -hmm. Look, I'd rather a person be greedy than a person be selfish. Because at least greedy people produce something. And then we can solve the greedy thing later. But if you don't have anything to help your church, your community, your mom, your Mm -hmm. business, if you can't grow your business because you weren't willing to go outside and extrovert to ask, to promote, to toot your own harm, it's uncomfortable for me too. But I'm not selfish. Mm -hmm. You will describe me as too much energy. The dude's a freaking maniac. Okay. (laughs) He's relentless. He's a marketing beast. But you're not going to say I'm selfish because I'm not selfish. Okay, because there's nothing I'm doing that's selfish. I put myself in very awkward situations constantly that causes people to think that I'm an extrovert. And you don't even know if that's true. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm an introvert who's willing to do whatever it takes, including extrovert, in order for me to help my church, my community and grow my business. Love it. Love that. We're talking about a lot of different systematic ways of failures and thinking, but Is there one specific area, like one major kind of pratfall that you see small business owners, entrepreneurs just making and just repeatedly sort of failing at? Is there one single thing that you can say? There's two ultimate mistakes. The the first one covers 90% of all entrepreneurs and small businesses, 
and that is you want to be small. Small is a failing formula. There is not one validation over the last 2,000 years of human civilization where small worked. There's 22 million small businesses in America. Out of 28 million, 22 million of them have no employees. The commitment to small is clearly an obsession, and it, it just doesn't work. So that's number one. Number two is the idea that you can fail is not true. Okay, You cannot fail unless you quit. Failure is impossible if you refuse to quit. And this was a really, really important thing that I learned when I was 45 years old. If I don't quit, and I was already fairly successful, but not at the levels I wanted to be. And a guy Mm -hmm. said, Grant, if you don't quit, you can have anything you want. The only way you fail, Grant, is if you don't use the right amount of energy and effort and if you quit. And by the way, not using the right energy and effort is a form of quitting. It is a gradient of quitting, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't yeah. quit all the way, but I'm thinking about not going all the way. Is it important to make this distinction early in your mind when you're, you're setting out? Because when things get hard, it's easier to kind of like bend and eventually then just like give up. Yeah. I mean, look, you're going to get hit in the face. Things are going to happen that you never even planned on. If you planned everything that was going to happen to you, you wouldn't even start. It's going to be harder than you think. I guarantee you it will be harder than you think. Whatever that is, whatever you're going for will be harder than you think. Mm -hmm. It'll probably be easier than you considered once you make it. It'll be better than what you considered if you really do it big. We have five businesses today. They're doing $100 million a year. I have a real estate portfolio that's going to raise $40 million in 30 days. I'll probably hit a billion dollars worth of real estate here in the next six to eight months. I never thought I would get to these levels. So what I'm telling you, it was harder, it was easier, and it was better than anything I imagined. Grant, I want to jump back into closing a deal. You talk about this. This is probably the most important step in a deal is just closing it, just wrapping it up. You've made the pitch and you're right at the close. What do you see as some different barriers? Well, the barrier was already created long before this moment. You never set the intention. The salesperson never set the intention to close with the customer. So if you go on YouTube and watch any of these videos where I'm handling live sales calls, I set the intention in the opening of the call. I tell them my intention is to close the deal. The woman I'm married to, the first time I met her, I told her my intention was to marry her and have children with her. So I set the intention early. I don't care if it's a a $10 product or a $10 million deal or a $100 million deal. I'm buying a $110 million piece of property right now. And I told them my intention from the get-go in the first meeting was that I would be the buyer of that deal. So I have now given myself, the seller in this case, and the universe I have given them notification that I am going for the close. And most salespeople think that this is somehow bad or that to ask for the business is bad or it's begging or it's pleading. Like, again, we're back to the earlier problem of being selfish. You're thinking about yourself. I don't want rejection. Who are we talking about? We're talking about you again. Right. I want the rejection. I'm looking toward rejection so I can handle why they're saying no to me Mm, so that I can overcome that barrier so I can win in the deal or find out I can't. And then I need to keep my pipeline full and and move forward. So, And that's the second part of this. People don't ask for the close because their pipelines aren't full enough. 
Okay. You, you, you don't want, I don't want Xavier to say no to me because at my subconscious level, if you will, for lack of better words, mm-hmm. I know that I don't have anybody else to talk to. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had another seven people to get in the same position with that I'm with you in a close, in a sales mm-hmm. cycle, right. I'm probably not going to worry about asking you. Yeah, I want to ask yeah. you to find out if you are. So if you're not, I'm going to move on to the next person. Exactly. The empty pipeline, the lack of work ethic is the reason people experience rejection. Rejection is not an emotion. It is an experience. It is an indication that your sales cycle or business cycle, your business itself is broken because there's nobody in your pipeline. Pause there for me, please. Let's touch on that. What does that mean exactly? It means if you've ever experienced the concept of rejection, oh, I don't like rejection. Rejection is not an emotion. An emotion is happy, sad, angry. Rejection is not one of them. Rejection is an indication. Hey, I don't have anybody else to talk to here. So let's say I'm 15 years old and I go up to a girl and I ask the girl to dance and she says no. If the next girl I ask says yes and she's hotter, then I'm good. I didn't experience rejection. I experienced opportunity. The problem with the young 15-year-old kid is that he's depending upon one girl to ask out rather than keeping a full pipeline, probably a bad analogy, but (laughs) keeping a full pipeline of hot little girls at at, at the school dance to ask out. It's so simple when I hear you talking about it, you know, when we're discussing like this and it just fits and yeah. You know, every week I focus on the guests for that week and I just immerse myself in everything that guest is doing as much as possible and not just reading their book, but actually practicing what they're doing and just trying it for myself. So not many people know this about me, but I run a marketing agency on the side of doing this podcast. So I just started doing some cold calls to some local businesses here. And the first person hung up on me. I made five calls, generated three leads. It was a really interesting experience. And my confidence level, the way that I felt about the call, the pre-framing of that call that you talked about, that you're going to close, setting that intention, that was so important. That was so crucial for me to have that in my repertoire as I spoke to this business owner. If you go online and put cold calling in, the first thing you're going to see pop up on a Google search is cold calling is dead. See, this goes back to the misinformation I shared earlier. We've become a world of people who search to learn rather than know. And, and this ties in again to the mentor question that you asked earlier. Who are you studying? Most of us are studying people that are only semi-successful at best. So I don't want to study somebody that just works. I don't want to study a millionaire. Today's millionaire, if you're trying to study financial freedom, the last mm-hmm. person you would want to study is a millionaire. Because a millionaire is not even in the realm of financial freedom. They're going to talk about how to get to a million dollars. They're going to talk about how to protect a million dollars, right? So I'm getting knowledge from the wrong source. Yeah, they're more successful than you financially. Yeah, they have two cars and a house, maybe paid for. He's got a good job. But dude, he doesn't have financial freedom. Hmm. You know, you, you want to study. I want to study Mark Cuban when he's making his moves, right? I don't want to study him when, he, when he's at the end of his cycle. I want to study Elon Musk now. Right. I, I don't want to study Richard Branson today. I want to study him when he was making his moves. And the yeah. same thing for Grant Cardone. You want to study me while I'm making my moves. By the way, if I'm dead, 
if this and, and somebody's listening to this 50 years later, and like, <laughs> I don't want to study Grant. No, you want to study Grant when he was in the cycle of his move. It's a good guidance. It's, it's a really good tip to give people. That's what I do myself is I read a lot of biographies and autobiographies yeah. and just study history, you know, avoid failure by studying history. Let's get into just writing. When you're sitting down writing a book, what does that process look like for you? Well, it really depends. You know, it's a great question. It's one I hadn't figured out completely. The first book I wrote was Sell or Be Sold, and I wrote that book in three hours. <laughs> okay. I'm holding it in my hand right now. The, the last book that I wrote was The Millionaire Booklet. I wrote that book in two hours, had it translated into 38 languages in 30 days. And by the way, both of those books are self-published. Be Obsessed or Be Average that you brought up took 19 months. There was a tremendous amount of input from the publisher, which really slowed everything down. I know you're talking about books, but I use everything that I do every day to either write or I use my writings to produce video content. I, I think it just depends on the compression I'm experiencing in my life. So the more compressed I am, the faster I can produce something. And the more people that are involved and the more input I'm getting, the longer a project takes. You have been listening to the Human Experience Podcast. To hear the rest of this episode, get to thehumanxp.com slash members. You're going to want to hear about what Grant has to say about money and success and his own personal battles and failures and some of his own personal tips. So help support the show, www.thehumanxp.com slash members. Thank you guys so much.